4: What is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast. Coming to you live Sunday night, July 17th. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. We've got a whole crew here for you tonight. We got Justin Peabody with me.
1: Hello, everybody. We've got J.D. Silva. Fellas. We've got Taylor Peterson.
5: Who's excited to break down this summer league game. <laughs> and was a game
4: tonight. Nick Crane. <laughs> will be joining us shortly. You know, I was thinking about this. Well, I, I guess before I say this, real quick. We are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are also the official podcast of dailythunder.com. Check them out for all of your Thunder needs. I was thinking about this today because I was listening some to some old episodes. Half of our podcast hosts have like their login call sign type thing. <laughs> And then the other half just say random shit to start the show. You guys notice that? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I Silva, always think
5: about it ahead of time.
4: <laughs> Silva always has the fellas. Mm-hmm. Justin has the hello, everybody. I always start off every show with the what's up. Yeah. And then Taylor and Nick are just kind of loose cannons.
5: <laughs> you just never know what's going to come out of them. I you get to more than just the intro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's too much pressure to like come up with like a, a witty quip to start the episode so let's just keep it simple and yeah. say hi and just leave it at that
2: that's All how right. i landed on mine also it's too much
1: <laughs> i love
4: it i love it gentlemen there was an nba summer league game today um allegedly i'm gonna be honest with you guys a thunder summer i just league can't believe the that that thunder
5: tanked it like that jacob with the audacity <laughs> and they hey, want to build a new arena here
4: oh. there um <laughs> Husband name, wife name, last name, Facebook account.
5: Oh, the worst kind uh, of no, uh,
4: comment best, yeah. Commented on the <laughs> official OKC Thunder Facebook post after this game, uh, and said, I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me, but something along the lines of Sam Presti's a cheapskate, and if they're gonna keep putting this type of team on the floor, no one's gonna pay for a new arena. And I was like, Bro, it's a Summer League game. <laughs> like <laughs>
5: There, there are, are so many last summer league game where everybody yeah. sets all their players. There are so many
1: issues with that statement. Um, the least of which is not that Sam Presti's money is not financing this team. <laughs> that was my favorite part. It'd be A very different team. Sam Presti was just cheap Shea Alexander being a cheapskate over here, won't buy the own arena
4: himself.
5: <laughs> the Oklahoma Sooners would never.
4: Uh, incredible, incredible. All right. Well, let's, let's talk some summer league. I don't think any of us watched the final summer league game today because I watched about five minutes. Yes. Same. Literally everybody sat. So it didn't really, there wasn't, there was like no rostered
1: players playing for the most part. Exactly. And
4: so it, it, not a lot to read into in today's game, but summer league is now officially over Uh, after, I think there's maybe one more game going on as we record in the league. And after that, we hit the dead period of the NBA until about late September. So we got a ways to go, guys. But now that Utah Summer League, Vegas Summer League is all over, I want to go back and revisit and see kind of what we learned from the Oklahoma City Thunder in what amounted to seven Summer League games. Before we really dive into the Thunder, though, uh, Silva, Nick, and myself spent nearly an entire week in a hotel room together. Hey, TMI uh, got got to know each other very intimately. Uh, so I, I want a us... bed. In fact, hey Silva, you guys want some some Just Vegas say stories? Just say it, Jacob. Yes, I do. We got Just some great stories. It. Silva and I did have to share a bed. hey oh. Mm-hmm. and I would like the masses of thunder twitter thunder reddit the people who listen to this podcast to know that my guy JD Silva <laughs> sleeps like he is in his freaking coffin i woke up one night to piss if you're watching the the stream you'll get to see this if not if you're listening to the podcast you won't get to see it this man Silva lays flat on his back and sleeps like this
1: no yeah. so, not always. There's no way that's real. That's Not, always. Dude, easy. I swear on my life. the edge of the bed.
4: I woke yeah. up and I was like, is this man dead right now? Like, what are we doing?
2: I just sleep on my back a lot and I got long arms. So that's just where the end is. He
1: crosses him like he's in the coffin. You know, for your sake, Jacob, uh, be glad you saw his hands. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that is true. Another
4: fun Vegas story. Uh, I just want to spend the the first part of this just... Justin and Taylor, I know you guys didn't get to go. Next year we're all gonna be out there. Um Justin's new child will be about a year old. <laughs> yeah. Taylor's child will be like, be like what, two. like a year and a half old, two yeah, years year old. Half, no,
5: yeah, yeah, a year
0: and a half.
4: You guys can get away for a few days. We're all going to Vegas next year. But I just wanted to talk a few of the stories from Vegas, um, kind of what we experienced being on the ground, and then let Justin and Taylor also chime in with thoughts, questions etc etc my other maybe my other favorite thing from vegas not basketball related <laughs> and nick's gonna get a kick out of this one as well our hotel room the window looked out over the las vegas <laughs> airport and silva one night is looking out of the <laughs> window and says are there people up there ziplining And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? So Nick and I go and look out the window. It's just the blinking lights of the planes taking off. And Nick was like, what are you
1: talking about?
4: And so I was like, look, all these people on these zip lines. They were just airplanes. You
5: guys are not very uh, airport airplane savvy. That no. is hilarious, Silva. I, I love it, Silva. That being Silva, just went into Vegas like with these like huge expectations, basically no, no expectations, idea. and looks out the window like, holy shit, there's zipliners. I, I was like Silva, it's place. not,
4: they're not attached to anything. There's <laughs> no buildings. No
2: to... <laughs> I was like partially detached from reality
5: that whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like when I... you had the donut at like the donut hamburger, like uh it was like 1 was, PM it was a donut
4: you're... ice cream sandwich. Thank oh, you very much. Even Nick, what
5: were they called?
3: <laughs> Milky buns. Milky buns.
4: <laughs> Nick called them dusty buns the entire <laughs> the entire trip because of
1: stranger things. Stranger things. It's
4: fantastic.
5: Oh, that's awesome.
1: It was Milky pretty good. Buns are delightful.
4: Silva, what made. was what was your favorite part of Summer League?
2: Of being was, out in Vegas? I really think it was just hanging out like in the arena, not even including the games, obviously, but just being there and like every couple of seconds, just looking and seeing someone I know or that I know of or I've listened to forever. Uh, it was awesome. I, I just constantly seeing people and I got to introduce myself to a couple guys. Was, that was probably my favorite part, just being in that atmosphere.
1: I saw someone compare Summer League to like South by Southwest. They were saying like, I've been to the NBA finals before, but like Summer League is like everybody's there. And I think from when I went last year, like that's what stood out to me. It's like everywhere you look is somebody either like from ESPN or from a podcast that you listen to or from an actual team or a front office. Like just literally everywhere you look, it's one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. So I, I feel you on that one, Silva. Even it's like crazy.
2: Even like working out in the morning, I would look to my left and see like ESPN employees on the ellipticals next to me. Mm-hmm. Watched- just...
4: We watched Dave yeah. Miniman walking through the lobby of the hotel. And 30 minutes later, he's on the TV in the hotel on ESPN.
5: That's crazy. Like, yeah, we saw was...
1: Perk last year, Perk getting into like a an Escalade out front of the hotel. And then same thing. It was like a little bit later, Nick and I were eating lunch. And there's Perk doing the the live hit from Thomas yep. and Arena. That's
5: awesome.
4: Nick, your favorite thing from Vegas, from the trip, from Summer League
3: similar to Silva more holistically, like there's not many places where pretty much anyone you talk to, not, not just at the event, but just like in Vegas in general, um, basketball heads, you can just like talk hoops, like hotel bar, walk through the casino and the Uber, you know, everywhere you go on the strip, like that's a small event relative to some of the stuff, Vegas hosts. But like in general, I think it was one of the bigger events they had of the weekend. And you just like, Walk into CVS, you see these people wearing like crazy jerseys of like retro players or rookies <laughs> or whatever it is. And it's just, it's a, it's a community feel and you don't get that
1: literally anywhere else. Yeah. it's awesome. And I bet at the bigger events, you probably don't get that either. Like, you know, you have a super bowl and it's not going to have that same feel. Like you gotta be a real sicko to be down for summer league. So it's like, it's all the sickos there together. It's bad Should have sold the shirts. Yeah, that's should've, right. Should have brought should've, the shirts. Just yeah. start
5: throwing them out to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, you guys mentioned, you know, and you guys allude to this, even like in our Slack, in our, our group, uncontested group message that we have, you guys got to meet some pretty cool people. So kind of a 2 part question, and they could be the same answer. But I want to know each, uh, all three of you, I want you all to go around and tell me your favorite person you got to meet and talk to and then your favorite person you got to see or maybe like the biggest name you got to see. Uh, again, maybe they're the same answer, but I'm curious, just based off the conversations that you all were able to have with some people.
4: I think for C, the one that was just like, oh my gosh, to me, was behind the basket where just everybody hangs out, players, media. And this is in the Thomas and McNarn and the Cox Pavilion. We glanced over there to see Woj chopping it up with Masai Ujiri, uh, front office exec for the Raptors, uh, Sean Marks, the GM for the Nets, and Rob Palinka, the GM for the Lakers. And that that one, to me, they're not having like super intense conversations out in the open in Summer League. They're just like, man, if I could drop a microphone down there and just <laughs> eavesdrop on that conversation, Absolutely. it has to be absolutely wild i also thought it was funny we saw Woj go over and talk to sam presti and silva nick they were over there for 30 40 minutes wow
5: for quite a while chatting we know they have a pretty close relationship because you know presti rarely does any public appearances outside of thunder related events or oppressors and he went on uh, Woj's podcast there for like Mm -hmm. you know an hour-long podcast when he was back at a back in boston i forget what the school was but
4: yeah. um it was interesting about two or three days after that conversation is when Woj was finally the one to tweet Vasily Michich. Uh, I found that interesting stuff, too. So Kind of interesting. Um, coolest person we met for me, uh, just meeting people who have been on the pod before we ran into Keandre, who elect, talked to him for a while. That's cool. Uh, Noah Magaro, George, who covers the San Antonio Spurs for nice. pounding the rock. I believe yep. uh, we got to link up with him and chat for quite a while. Um, and then just the amount of uncontested listeners that we ran into. There were people that just came in and was like, Hey, love the podcast. Can I get a picture? And people I've never met
5: before in my life. That's it was so cool. Kind of a surreal That's experience. Awesome. That's really cool.
2: Yeah. I, I, Silva. Yeah. I second a lot of what Jacob covered. I was going to say meeting like just random uncontested fans. was like very surreal. Um, <laughs> that, that was a, that was awesome to see. I uh, also saw, A guy that works for the ringer, Jomi Adeneron. It does a lot of their pop culture stuff. Jomi. Yeah. Flagged him down the hallway. Said I was a big fan. Midnight Boy is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was a personal personal thing I was looking out for, and he was there. So that's awesome. It was cool. And just like seeing a ton of players that I've loved forever. Like I've been a Damian Lillard fan like forever. I saw him come and sit down like front row early on. I was like, oh, there's like big names coming here. And then
3: those big names just continued to flood in as the days went on. Yep cop out answer the the people that we met that were fans of the show and like went out of their way to come up to us and like say, hey are you guys in contest? That was the coolest in terms of like people we met. Um like C probably Kyrie. That's Just like a fun one. You were the like une- right behind Kyrie. Yeah, Nick was too. like five feet from the, Kyrie. The unexpectedness <laughs> of that like the Thunder were playing it was it the That was the Rockets game, or is that the Magic game?
4: I believe it was the Rockets game.
3: Just, you know, you expect to see players from those teams, right? And then like, Kyrie Irving's there in a bucket hat, and you're like, what? um (laughs) So that was probably the coolest, like, see. But the the meeting was definitely the people that support.
5: That's cool. Well, and Kyrie's there. Not only that, but you know, you this wasn't the same game, but that weekend you had Russ and. LeBron and the friction yep. there, both being in the court on opposite ends. Kyrie mm-hmm. obviously walks in like a day later. That is pretty cool. Uh, but you guys also mentioned just like the amount of people that were there. Like uh, like Justin said, basically, if you're A, an NBA fan, B, uh, anything to do with an NBA team, you're there at Summer League. The vibe I get listening to what you all told me, as well as what I've heard from like other people talking about it on their podcast, combined with even like going all the way back to talking with Jake Fisher when he came on our podcast here almost gosh two years ago which seems crazy it seems like the vibe at summer league even though all those people are there they're much more open to talk to you they're much more willing to talk to you so for example so you mentioned like being able to go up to some of the ringer guys right and i think you guys mentioned like zach harper of the athletic just being able to casually go up and have a conversation and get to know some of these guys seems like some of these people may be more, more willing in the summer league setting compared to other settings did you all find that to be true i think it's definitely a, it's a casual
3: event in general like People are wearing shorts and a t-shirt, you know, coaches, everybody's just kind of casual. And I think the expectation is that it it's treated that way. Like there was a lot of not like big name players, but players that if they were in their home arena, walking through the tunnel, they would get bombarded. Yeah. But I think there's kind of this like a unspoken rule at summer league where it's like, sure. Go up and like ask for a selfie or like say, Hey man, like love your game, big fan. But like, no one's going to go tackle some player that's walking Cause these guys are walking through the concourse like yeah, right mm-hmm. yeah. there's there's a freight elevator to get from thomas and mac to cox if you really wanted to be behind the scenes but most of these guys are just walking up the steps out into the concourse and over to the next arena over well like, it was it, like well, uh, awesome. steve Ballmer. yeah
4: steve Ballmer's yeah, just yeah. walking up the stairs into the concourse and i'm like this
3: guy's worth 60 billion dollars <laughs> yeah Just hanging out.
2: All all we heard was like, "Love you, Steve."
3: Like, yeah, the back row. The the culture that they're gonna ask him
2: to pay off my student
4: loans. He
3: could do that sixty billion times. He Um, could pull pull enough money out of his wallet, probably. Just seriously, (laughs) I think that summer league. I don't know how long this has been going on. Like, I think social media has really hyped this up. But the fact that big names come and watch Mm -hmm. hypes up the event itself. Those first few nights and Justin had the same way last year. We went at the beginning rather than the end, which thank goodness. And I think that's that's like part of the experience. Like if if no big name players came and watched, it wouldn't feel as big.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And coaches and GMs and like all that kind of stuff. I think it just yeah, it makes a really interesting air to it. Speaking of like other people coming in. I have to ask about y'all got to re- record in the blue wire studio, which I'm incredibly jealous of. Uh, if you haven't insane. watched those streams, like go look them up on YouTube. Cause it's awesome. It looks like an episode of first take. Um, yeah. But the second recording with, with Derek Murray, y'all were right after Gilbert arenas
2: and RJ Hampton. And like, uh, Josiah Johnson from Twitter. How yeah. was that?
1: did you uh have to scoot scoot past gilbert on the way into this into the studio to keep the chair warm for you <laughs> he was, he i hope you guys didn't make him too desk. angry he
3: yeah. hung out in the uh the little lobby area outside while we were getting prepped and stuff like it was yeah. he didn't just that's like wild. leave he just kind of chilled
2: mm-hmm. and he that's hung pretty out crazy outside the glass when our yep. show started it was wild that's cool yeah yeah it was yeah, weird thought... we,
3: we walked by watching him record his pod cool. and then as we were starting ours he was sitting outside the glass kind of hanging out as we started our pod and I kind of switched places
5: that makes you nervous, you know, like on Gilbert equal level with hear Gilbert Arena. <laughs> I don't know. So, I, don't,
3: I don't think Gilbert even knows what's going on after time, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's kind of what I told myself there too. <laughs> Luckily <laughs> for me, talk oops. <laughs> the the
4: seat in the studio, um the the glass wall leading out to yeah, the, the hallway in the wind is on the right hand side, and I sat in the far right chair, so I was always looking left mm. at these guys whenever we were recording. Uh, there was some guy out in the in the hallway like jumping and filming us and stuff. Yeah. And like very distracting stuff. So
2: That first <laughs> thought, time when I was sitting, I was sitting in the spot Derek was in on our first show and I saw people the whole time. I was just trying so hard not to People be stopping
4: listening because there's a speaker out in the hallway oh, where people oh, can stop cool. and so hear what you're hear saying. You.
5: That's awesome. Taking our pictures, all kinds of stuff. Well, to Justin's point, like I that's thought wild. the quality was phenomenal. Like for the production quality was phenomenal. Like as an example, if you three were talking during that first pod, you know, it would zoom out when you guys were having a group conversation. Mm -hmm. But like if Jacob, for example, transitioned us to another topic, it would zoom in on Jacob. And then if Nick was answering that question, it would zoom zoom in on Nick. But at the end, you all mentioned, you know, just kind of giving a big shout out. and Thank you to Blue Wire. And uh, you all mentioned like the people who are walking by and watching and stuff. They actually panned out with a side camera to show that glass wall and we could actually see people. Super I'm cool, not going to lie. I was like, "Oh man, please be people. Please be people." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were like 10 people sitting there watching everybody yeah. and like filming this stuff. I was like yes. nuts. <laughs> we it was so cool.
4: <laughs> insane. Um my last Vegas story. And it's a long one and I'm going to do the condensed version to get us out of here quick <laughs> because I really want to talk basketball. I think Nick can attest to this. Probably the funniest thing that happened in Vegas.
3: Oh, no. People
4: on the podcast might not know, but JD, comedic gold, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so, real fast, our first full night there that Thursday night. Um, that was who played that night? Nick, Orlando, Houston, yep. and
3: Shaden Sharp, Jaden Shade. Ivy. Early oh night. yeah, three we saw minutes, three, three minutes, minutes of, of Shaden.
4: Afterwards, we head back to the hotel. And there's like four restaurants on the first floor of the hotel. One of them is just kind of like an American like scratch kitchen. And the special on Thursday night was all you can eat fettuccine Alfredo for like 15 bucks. Oh my God. And so all night, Nick and I were just like, dude, we're going to go back. We are going to tear up some pasta. We're going to put this place out of business. This is going to be incredible. Well, we get back at 1045 and the all you can eat ends at 11. Mm. So we were like, crap, what are we going to do? So we went up to the room. We changed. We're like, let's just go downstairs, get pizza by the slice at the pizza place. It's closed. So we're kind of scrambling at this point. Well, there's a joint across the street called Fries and Pies, okay? Basically, there's like 10 different things you can order. There's buffalo chicken. There's the carnivore. There's all these different things. You can either order it and get it on a pizza or order it and get it on top of French
1: fries. Whoa.
4: Yeah. So, Silva and I split some wings. <laughs> I get the carnivore fries. Silva, and so if you have to remind me what they're called. Is it barrio?
2: Barria.
4: Barria. Barrio is like neighborhood in Spanish, isn't it?
2: That is yeah, correct. Whatever.
4: Barria. Yeah. Silva gets the barria fries, okay? Ooh. Which are kind of like um like a like a taco. Uh, and then Nick gets a slice of barria pizza. And buffalo chicken fries.
5: That sounds good.
4: We spent way too much money. We get this. We run back across the street. We go upstairs to the hotel room. We all start eating. Nick is eating his Berea pizza. Silva is eating his Berea fries, which he forgot a fork, so he's doing it all by hand. (laughs)
1: Lovely.
4: I'm eating my carnivore fries. And Nick finishes off the slice of pizza, and he's like, man this Berea is really good. And someone's like, yeah, I told you, like, it's, it's really tasty. And so Nick pops open his box of fries. Nick got the Buffalo chicken fries and he pulls out this little, little plastic container of sauce. And he's like, what the hell is this? It's warm. And he opens up and someone goes, Oh, that's like Berea sauce. You, you, whenever you get Berea tacos, you dip your tacos in there. And Nick was like, That's weird because I didn't order Berea fries. I just ordered the Berea pizza. And Silva was like, oh, I don't know. And so Silva and I are sitting at the table. Nick is on the couch. And I'm sitting there thinking for a second. I'm like, did Silva eat the wrong fries? And this son of a bitch is like 80% done with his order of fries. So I kind of start glancing over there. And Nick says, I ordered buffalo chicken. There's not even chicken on these fries. And I said, Silva, did you get Nick's, did you eat Nick's buffalo chicken fries? Silva goes, no, my fries are Berea. I look over and this son of a bitch, hands covered in hot sauce, orange sauce all in his little box. And I said, Silva,
5: do you know what buffalo chicken is? That's
4: buffalo chicken. And this man, having eaten everything, (laughs) looks down at the box and says, well, shit, maybe it was buffalo chicken. (laughs)
3: <laughs> how do you uh, eat an entire meal not knowing know. what it is i I've thought about that a lot
5: nick <laughs> and i don't it's know just like buffalo uh, that i was have the, questions
3: that's, that's like yeah. getting a that's like getting a burger at mcdonald's and then like you start eating the mcchicken and don't realize it's not a burger
1: or Dude. looking at airplanes and thinking people are zip lining.
4: <laughs>
1: Look, for I our, for our listeners
3: silva was not on drugs the whole trip i promise no I know it sounds like it from these first two stories, life. but...
4: I have never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> this Silva is just covered in buffalo sauce. Fingers, face, box. And he's sitting there just looking at it like, what the hell happened? When did it turn into <laughs> buffalo chicken?
1: It was... That's
2: amazing. Absolutely. I don't know why I did that. All right, <laughs> we had, That was the day we had walked like 10 miles. Yeah.
4: Oh Vegas man Vegas heat it, it was just a long day. And, you know, Vegas
2: heat. it was like t- midnight when we were eating that stuff. I was just ready to eat and you know.
4: <laughs> Incredible chicken rest, beef, who cares? He was history thing. at that point. All he was just inhaling. All right, <laughs> let's talk some basketball. So I want to know what we learned from NBA Summer League for the Thunder. Uh this is gonna go real simple. This is really easy for me because this is straight up like teacher stuff right here. Right. <laughs> We've covered the content. Now I need you to tell me what we learned. So, Justin, finish this sentence. What I
1: learned about the Thunder at Summer League is the Chet Giddy bromance is real. I think seeing those two, the chemistry, we've seen them flirting on Instagram all summer long, but getting to see them on the court, getting them to see them like, literally arms around each other in the post game interviews. Like it's super cool to see that level of chemistry so soon. I think it's really easy, you know, new guys, new team, new situation. Like it could take a little bit, but they're like two peas in a pod. And between that and the two Jalen's that seem to like, really like each other. I think it's super cool to see like how far those relationships are already at this point. Makes me really excited to see, you know, what the what the full season looks like for those two on the court. I think their level of chemistry is gonna be unmatched. I mean, they were
4: in the Instagram DMs pre-draft. Yeah, they were they were flirting a little bit. (laughs) The flirting's been going on for a while.
5: But it was cool, Justin, to your point, like to see them after each game, especially after that first one in Salt Lake City. Uh, Chet gets interviewed after his debut game, but he makes sure to grab Giddy and yep. bring him up with him. Giddy returns the favor the next game after Giddy's big game. Uh, definitely some really cool stuff there. You know, Sam Presti's watching that kind of stuff and just beaming ear to ear. Yep,
4: and it's crazy to think about how Josh is actually younger than Chet.
1: That is wild, pretty insane. Taylor, That's finish crazy.
4: finish this sentence. What I learned about the Thunder from summer league is.
5: So I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit, but I also think it's probably the most critical that we learned in regards to where the Thunder are currently out at in this repositioning, as Pressy calls it, <laughs> and and maybe the most critical aspect of that. That's funny. Kerry, you guys should give yeah. him a, a shout-out. Yeah,
4: we, we met up with Kerry. Carrie, Kerry, uh, Carrie, I'm going to butcher your last name. Is it Cicero? Cicero. Um, at Summer League, he sat with us multiple times. This man tried to climb over... One row of chairs into the other, and you know how the chairs like the, the seat flips up. Oh no!
5: He collapsed on his leg. He and his like cantered
4: a,
1: his leg it's it's like a, a bear, bear trap.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> poor guy.
5: All right, the, sorry, Taylor. Awesome.
4: Finish that. Finish that statement.
5: But I I think what we learned is not only uh, was Chet OKC's guy to begin with, but also he looks apart the uh, and they fully believe that he can be a franchise cornerstone, like not just a a solid player alongside Shea and Giddy, but like a cornerstone player. Maybe they aren't even as interested in one Binyama. And I think, you know, we saw a lot of reports kind of uh, alluding to that with some of the people they talked to, both with OKC and other teams. Uh, but I thought the most recent one that came out, Matt Moore of the Action Network, put this out yesterday, I believe. Um, he mentioned, you know, still Homegrown looks like a franchise cornerstone. And more than one person said, I should look out for Shea's uh, SGA's assist props because Homegrown will feast on pick and pops with his frame of release point. It's also noticeable that OKC, by all accounts, has been focused on Homegrown going back to last fall. This is something Jacob and I have literally been talking about since last fall. <laughs> we we just felt that Chet would be on top of Presti's draft board. And it, that appears to be the case. Uh, he continues that the Thunder would have been happy with any of the top three in the class, but they firmly believe Holmgren is the guy. And then finally he's going through, you know, how strong the West is this upcoming season and lists off the teams. But he ends that by saying the Thunder may wind up if, uh, may wind up in the playoffs slash play in. If Chet is as good as OKC believes he can be. So, Again, very, very high praise coming out of OKC for Chet. He certainly looked the part. Uh, I think probably about as promising as a summer league debut that we could have hoped from Chet outside of him just doing what he did in that first game and repeating that every single game, which is very unrealistic. So I, I was very impressed with Chet, kind of to Justin's point. he, Him and him, Giddy kind of led that summer league team, but the fact that Chet was able to do that both on and off the court, we'll, we'll dive into Chet and the specifics of what we saw from him in summer league. But as a whole... Chet being the guy and the Thunder believing that he can be that cornerstone guy. Like that makes me believe some of the, the talk we've heard about the Thunder quote unquote, pushing the pedal down a little more, maybe more true than we believed originally. I'm going to count
3: counter Taylor here. Cause I, I, I don't disagree with, with anything you said. And a lot of that was just what Matt was reporting. I think my biggest takeaway is that the Chet experience is going to be super frustrating, not because he ends up being a bust or that he's not a good player. He's just not going to be near as aggressive as anybody wants. Like every Thunder fan this season is going to be screaming at their TV saying, shoot, do something with the ball Like do do something special because he's got the ability to, but I don't know if there's going to be a game this year where he takes 20 shots. He just it's just not in his nature right now, even when he was like the guy when Josh wasn't playing. There's times where it's like, do that thing you did in Utah behind the back, top of the key pop, like shoot the ball. He didn't do it as frequently as I'd like to. And there's a lot of rookies, Jaden Hardy. When that guy gets the chance, he will shoot the ball. Chet's Mm -hmm. kind of the opposite of that. He's going to impact the game a million other ways. And I'm not saying the Chet experience being frustrating is that he'll be bad. But Thunder fans are going to want to see him more. more. And, he will not. and to
5: your point, Nick, like especially when he's playing with a player like SGA, and based off what we saw in Summer League, I think that's a really good point. I could see him being a little more, maybe Tim right word there, in regards to scoring and shooting because he doesn't want to step on SGA's toes. Where with Josh, they're the same age. He'll, pr- he'll probably be uber-efficient. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. And, and I don't He's
4: going to really. shoot
5: like 11 shots.
4: I don't know how much it is stepping on toes versus he just understands how to be a cog in the machine. I mean, you look at what he did at Gonzaga with mm-hmm. Drew Timmy, yep. right? He knew that he, the team wasn't built for him to take 20 shots a game. The team was built for him to be a cog. And, and I think that at some points that can be frustrating, but I think at a lot of points, especially as a rookie and already having that, that self-awareness is something special on the same hand. Uh, Taylor. Just to kind of follow up, Chet's summer league averages: fourteen points, eight and a half rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks, fifty percent from the field, forty-two percent from three.
5: Pretty, pretty
3: solid. And high nineties from the line.
5: Did I? Have and that's a... in,
3: that's in limited time. Right.
5: right. I thought I, I had mean... that tweet that Kamiar shared with us about Chet and his his defense. Oh
3: yeah uh...
4: the, the the defensive stats were. Opposing teams shot 12 percent worse in the paint with Chet on the floor. Eight percent worse that? from Presence the floor. Twelve percent less in the paint. It's the Sergi Ibaka effect.
5: Right. I think just kind of wrap up what both of you said there, Jacob. Is like, and Nick. I think you can get him on the floor where he is more of a. He's in a more defined role with the goal of giving him more and more reps, more and more confidence, to where a year from now, two years from now he's emerged into more of that cornerstone kind of guy and has more of a cornerstone featured role in the offense. But both of those are really good points.
4: Nick, we already have Justin talking about the Chet Giddy bromance. Uh, Taylor just touched on. He learned that Chet is going to be a cornerstone. Finish the statement. What I learned from Thunder Summer League is... Um...
3: There's some guys that are going to get cut that are going to really upset fans. If Isaiah Roby hurts your feelings, (laughs) buckle up because (laughs) he's an NBA player. Damn it. There's going to be some guys that. uh, There's going to be guys that get cut. No one thinks they're going to be stars, but there's a lot of people out there that are going to be like, I thought he was going to be a guy for us in three years. Well, because there, was guys that were that impressive in summer league.
4: Who take away Chet, take away mm-hmm. J Dub. Okay. Who impressed you the most? That that you think will get rotation minutes? Where can I can I get take a, Giddy a segment out too, like this. I assume yes, take Giddy out as well.
3: Um, man, I think JRE. I'm
0: not awesome, saying man.
3: Baisley gets cut because of this, but like. I don't know if there's anything Baisley does that's like head and shoulders better than Jr. Like Baisley's defense was really good last year. Like the block to to foul ratio is like pretty elite. Um, He's more springy. He's more athletic. He's a little bit longer, probably a little bit quicker. But like you put those two side by side in terms of production, like I I don't know what Baisley brings. It's like, holy cow, Jerry cannot do that at all. JRE there,
4: isn't gonna try to throw a double behind the back between the lead crossover.
3: I also and the same in the same vein, like Aaron Wiggins. Would you rather see Aaron Wiggins play two hundred and fifty minutes this year or Ty Jerome?
4: Aaron Wiggins really impressed me.
3: Agreed. So that's that's not a fault of the guys on the roster, just there's some guys that impressed.
4: Silva, the thing you learned from Thunder Summer League is nobody took your guy, so I assume you're going with him.
2: We say in, in a way, in a roundabout way. Uh, we talked a lot about the on paper uh height and length of this team, and that really, really popped in in person. Seeing how big these guys are, uh, there were uh, a lot of times where J Dub or Giddy were the smallest guys on the court for the Thunder. He played Chet, Usman, JRE, <laughs> Giddy, J Dub. Uh, it's nuts, and Wiggins. That's like that. Those we saw that lineup a lot, and uh it was tough on opposing defenses. And I think I would, I will not be surprised if the thunder lead the league and like tip passes, uh, once out of the next couple of years, uh, would not be surprised by that at all. This team is huge.
4: Yeah. And it really jumps off the page whenever you see it in person versus on television. I think, uh, mine, what I learned from thunder summer league, J dubs, a dude, like he is a legit dude. He's I a lot of fun. I mentioned it in my solo post game the other night. I think we've talked about it on this podcast multiple times. This dude started at the four guarding Jabari Smith Jr. In the last game he played, he guarded Mac Mac McClung, two very, very, very different players. (laughs) He played as the primary creator on ball. He's played exclusively off ball on backdoor cuts and screening and catching and shoots. He can do everything. I've started to, and, and maybe this is just overthinking. He is 21. I've started to think is his ceiling a little bit lower, but his floor is really, really high. Is that the type of player he is? I think there is a lot of untapped ceiling for him to still t- uh, achieve, still to climb to the athleticism of J-Dub really jumps off when you watch him in person. Um, He wants to dunk the shit out of the ball every time
1: he gets it. (laughs) And he did multiple times. Yeah. His his ability
4: to get off the floor is just incredibly fast. There were a few times where Nick and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, wow. Like this kid goes from being stationary, standing still, not moving to dunking the ball through the hoop incredibly fast.
3: Begs the question. Does this is not from a real basketball standpoint. This is from a fan base love attachment standpoint. Does he make Lou Dort being potentially traded down the road easier to stomach for the Thunder fan base? Oh
4: yes.
5: Yeah. I think yes. so.
4: Well, that's hard to say because like I you mean, said, people people lost their shit because they waved Isaiah Roby. So uh, if they traded Lou, I think people would be upset as well. But yeah. but if it, but if it meant Jada became a time. starter,
3: you know, I think people
4: I, I, would... I think I think people are going to absolutely fall in love with this kid. High IQ and crazy, crazy, charismatic, crazily mm-hmm. charismatic, um, very well spoken. Yeah, he's Just awesome a, off the court
5: he, as well. He's a dog. He, I, he yeah.
4: He got that dog in him.
5: <laughs> well, like to your point, Jacob, one thing that kind of surprised me, I I like you, you kind of mentioned this as well, Jacob, in our uncontested slack, like you were going back and listening to our post lottery reactions and then our post draft reactions. I think like our post draft reactions on uh, J-Dub were pretty accurate. I was, I was proud of that. Um, but one thing that we didn't anticipate that was hard to anticipate based off how he looked uh, with Santa Clara was his defense and the defensive impact he was able to have in summer league. I mean, I, I know this one's been, you know, talked about over and over already but his defense on jabari smith jr being able to block his shot like that just i mean that's that's special and also being able to move his feet and be able to stay in front and use his length to be able to stay in front of quicker guards that he was guarding um not just on the offensive end like you were talking about him being put in different positions jacob i thought you did a really good job talking about that on uh, the post game two nights ago but also defensively with all the different assignments
4: he gets over screens really well also uh, I think he wasn't as good of a defender as Santa, at Santa Clara because he had to do everything for that team, and now his role is going to be a little more defined. But he is so versatile. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to start like be a regular starter. I think if anybody is out, you can start him, even if Chet is out. Slide JRE to the five and start Veto. Yep. yep. I think there's going to be a lot of games that he closes.
3: He's well, going to be in that final five. He got his first college minutes. Because of defense.
5: Yep. He's the point. He's gonna be really good. Hey. And as a point guard.
4: <laughs> I haven't got to ask you guys about this, but I made the comp the other night on the podcast between him and Mikhail Bridges. Coming in as rookies, basically the exact same size. Uh, J Dub is an inch shorter, but has two inches more in wingspan. Same weight, kind of same role. I don't think J Dub's gonna be as good of a defender as Mikhail but I think he's got more juice off the bounce offensively. I think it's an interesting comp.
5: Yeah, I agree completely. I found that really interesting, especially with the measurements. That's fascinating. Obviously
1: way too early to make like firm conclusions, but I think that there's something there. And I think we we saw some of that in summer league. If you go back, look at some of his his film, you can see it as well. You know, you mentioned Lou Dort, but I, I can't stop thinking about like Darius Baisley. Again, not not the exact same type of player, but kind of a lot of the things that you hoped Darius Baisley would turn into. I think you could see J Dub turning into, or or um, already having. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go that far yet because just summer league. But yeah. no, that's yes. fair. But yes,
4: exactly. Also, one has four more years on a rookie contract. The other has one. Yep,
3: it's crazy. Like, they're like eight months apart in age.
4: Yeah. Anybody else have a thing that they learned from S- thunder summer league?
5: So when you were talking a little bit ago, Jacob, I was trying to look at these stats and I couldn't find them. So maybe just in a nutshell, the thunder transition, uh, offensive transition game, pushing the ball in transition, grabbing the ball off the rim and, and pushing it. Like, you know, we've talked a lot about this over the past two years. That's when typically the thunder are at their best uh, outside of Shea, just, you know, taking control in the half court. That's essentially when the thunder are at that best. That's where we, we've seen basically, uh, thrive compared to when, when he's in the half court set for example and so i we saw a lot of that we saw chet initiating the offense both ripping the ball off the rim and, and initiating the offense pushing the ball down the floor and also even getting the ball out of bounds which is a completely different uh, topic but i thought the way that they, that that they did push the ball in transition was really impressive and, and something that we're we're probably going to see a lot of moving forward with this team
4: i like it anything
3: All else right. you guys learned on a lighter note, um, I learned Silva has really good player comps. I would like, <laughs> I would like next year if, if Daily Thunder would allow Silva to do a draft guide. I don't even care if it has any analysis in it. I just want just the a top 30 prospects guide. and their comp, and I want everything to be similar to Ty Ty Washington is built, like Mike Wazowski. <laughs> I want a comp like that for every single player. I
4: what do was it. the other one that he had?
3: I can't I remember what was know. I think it
4: was at the Spurs Cavs game. He made a comp. God, I can't remember. But yeah, the tie tie is Mike Wazowski. That's
5: incredible. Sent me. <laughs> so good.
4: Um, I learned that Usman Jang is very young and needs a long runway. I like the tools. I see the potential. We got a ways to go. We got some growing to do.
3: It's, it's, I'm not saying this is what happened, but it almost feels like the guys that were drafted are perfectly positioned to replace guys currently ahead of them in the depth chart. Yep. Talking I'm not going to say who. I think we all know. Yes. But I, it's, it's interesting. And I, we have
4: a new seven-foot wing who is very raw, but has potential.
3: Yep. And we have a new defensive background long potential kind of
5: wing shot creator
3: really is probably a better long term fit in the starting lineup than the guy currently as much yeah. as everyone loves the guy currently
1: so I think that's fair I
4: yeah think that's fair Justin anything else you learned
1: I learned um that I still want poku to succeed you were that you was were the last one i was thinking of too but um yeah not real encouraged by his minutes on the floor um i think that he, this is a much like we've talked about you know a guy like darius Baisley, like this is a big year for poku mm-hmm. where it doesn't have to be a finished product but you need to continue to see progress and I don't know that the small glimpse we got in summer league, which I'm very firmly on the record that summer league's meaningless, but like we need to start to see it, and it just felt like nothing was new from Poku. So going into the season, like that's that's one of the things I'm going to be watching is is what does Poku bring to this team, or else the uh, the Poku experiment may be winding down.
3: If if I'm hearing like kind of all of these. What we've learned put together in one. I think I've got a new rule for the podcast. If you're gonna have a baby, <laughs> bring it to summer league in a Pokemon onesie <laughs> and don't stay at home. <laughs> we were three for three on guys without babies and zero for two on guys with babies. So next year, instead oh, of lovely. the baby being the reason we can't go, we're gonna bring the baby. I know Justin's. <laughs> little, you can't just like come on out in your Pokemon oh, onesie be a ready. few days early. We like was just, yeah.
4: When is when <laughs> round months? When is nine months before July, Nick? Oh, good. Grief. Is that
1: November? Yeah. I
4: got a new. Justin's a new like, new yeah. pod- <laughs> I got a, a new <laughs> podcast rule. Everyone has to obey. No nut
3: November. Jeez. Holy cannoli! <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Justin was so fast to say yes, almost like he knows.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, November eleventh, Mino four. Not going p. there. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, yeah, gentlemen, something about pumpkin pie. That's all. <laughs>
5: Forget Roman.
4: Oh, God. Lord have mercy on my soul. Lord have all right, mercy
1: on to buzz.
2: I thought that one would be too vulgar to play.
4: I got you yeah. covered. Don't you worry. All right, so guys who didn't play in Summer League, who were in the rotation last year, when I say rotation, I mean they played like 40 or more games. Shea, Dort, Baisley, Muscala, Jerome, Maladone, Williams. Guys from the Summer League who were in the rotation last year, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, Poku, and Aaron Wiggins. That's 12 guys. I think we all assume that Chet and j Dub are going to soak up some minutes next year for sure. That's 14 players. There ain't 14 guys in an NBA rotation. Typically there's like nine. So I want to ask you guys, if we're getting more minutes for guys like Chet and guys like J-Dub, if we're putting guys like Wiggins with some more minutes or guys like Trey Mann with some more minutes, I think that's possible we got to cut minutes from other players who were in the rotation. Where do you see that happening at?
1: Maladon is probably where I start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and
3: can I get a clarification before mm-hmm. we continue? Yes. You're talking about, you said like meaningful minutes. Like, what, What's the, cause last year as an example, like five games into the season, which is you're out of that initial first few games range, like into the, 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 regular rotation at that point there was 11 guys that played at least 10 minutes yeah like is, is that your minutes. threshold like what, what are we going here
4: i was just looking at games played
5: oh that's fair too i was looking okay. at
4: guys so like derek favors played 39 games i didn't mm-hmm. put him on the list mike muscala played 43 in my opinion if mike muscala didn't have the ankle and they weren't blatantly tanking at the end of the season Mike Muscala is a regular in that mm-hmm. rotation.
3: Gotcha. So I it's it's, a... it's more of a it's more of a total total minutes in a vacuum and healthy, not like minutes per game in the 12 games they played.
4: Correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean okay. like my guy Xavier Simpson played <laughs> like forty three <laughs> and a half minutes a game.
3: How exactly was like an NBA All-Star in the six <laughs> games he played.
4: Yeah, no crap, right? So I was looking at more at games played. Um, okay. and, and who we assume is going to be in the rotation. So Justin, you're starting off with tail Maladone. Yep. Let me ask you this, Justin, you think we he's not going to play as many minutes. Do you think he's on the team?
1: That's a harder question to answer. Um, I think he, he is a prime cut candidate. He's if at he the top of the, the list, team. I think if he is on the team, I just, I, I don't see how he gets many minutes. If any minutes just because of who else they have that can handle the ball, that if the name of the game's roster exploration, I think there's a bunch of other guys you'd rather explore than Teo. So I'm I gonna... did find
5: it interesting he didn't play summer league. Yeah, well, he, he was coming back from FIBA. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. He's never left. Yeah. I'm gonna.
1: I, this
3: isn't part Good of the uh, what we plan on doing tonight, but I'm gonna make this a game, this or that, to to challenge everyone's opinions. So Justin, you you had Teo. Mm-hmm. If you were Sam Presti and you had to keep one of these two guys, we'll play a little bit of this and that, Tao or Ty. Who are you keeping? Ty. Okay, Everyone I agree. agree? With
4: that. I agree with that.
1: Okay, but right. if like they the keep specific. Ty,
4: I can keep tweeting the too much
1: sauce gif. The second person I was gonna name is Ty. So. <laughs> right? Yeah,
5: <laughs> I kind of have a hot third one here. I'm ready. Let I rip. think I, I think we're going to see quite a few Mike Muscala DMPs this year. Not because he necessarily shouldn't be in the lineup. I just think what we've seen, right? They, they wait a little bit into the offseason to sign him to another one-year deal. He wasn't sitting court. Maybe I'm reading a little too much into Summer League, but he wasn't sitting courtside with the other players because he was in like a Thunder polo with the coaching staff behind the the Thunder bench. You guys were there and can speak to that. And I almost wonder if he's more of like a breaking case of it. I shouldn't say emergency like, when the Thunder are playing in competitive games, we'll see Muscala play. If the Thunder are do find themselves in the in end play-in, potentially, we'll see Muscala crack the rotation, right? But, like, the main purpose of this upcoming season, and when you have so many young guys like this, we're talking about time for... It, it, the whole purpose of the, this exercise, where is the time going to come for some of these players to develop? You can... is already developed. You, you don't need that, right? You're prioritizing that development over... Just trying to win a game in a February, uh Tuesday night in February. I think because of that, that reason specifically is why we won't see as many Mescala games. And, and like I Tuesday said, Tuesday night before the trade deadline. Yeah,
1: right, true. <laughs> hey,
5: can <laughs> I, can I offer the counterpoint? 30 minutes for Muscala.
4: I want to offer the counterpoint real quick. They're not gonna have another backup big. A, because I don't think Derek Favors is on this team. I think he'll get bought out. B I think this team wants to be consistent in the way they play. I think having Mike Muscala being pick and pop big playing behind Chet Holmgren. That's, true. that's pretty consistently running the same style of offense, point. regardless of which big is on the floor.
3: Very true. true. Where, where does, where does Jalen Williams fit? Get, get, I, I totally, totally agree with you. Yes. Jay will. I totally agree with he you. fits on...
4: in an OKC blue Jersey. Blue, yeah. I, I totally I,
3: agree. Again, totally agree. But like the Thunder are building this play style. I, th- I think Summer League was really indicative of how they're going to play. It's going to be top of the key, dribble handoff or pick or all these different actions you can do at the top with Chet. When you slide Muscala in, most of those work. He's probably not as creative with the ball, but he's still a pop threat. He's not a lob threat, but he can still roll and make a layup like he's seven feet tall. Where does Jay Will fit in there? Because I don't know if I want to see him shooting a ton of
5: threes. I think to Jacob's point, he doesn't fit in necessarily with this year's team. That's not what they have in mind for Jay Will. It's going to be when so, he's gotten a little more development what, with the blue. And then think, Mascala's off his one-year contract. But I, it, unless he develops a three-point shot, like
3: does he fit the system? That's a good question.
4: I, I see him as the not-as-good Jeremiah Robinson Earl right now.
5: Yeah, and that's why I kind of view yeah. it, too. Mm-hmm. But...
1: That's a good comparison.
4: Where else do some of these minutes come from? I
1: mean, we talked a lot about guards
4: with Maladone and Jerome. We've talked a little bit about a big with Muscala, although um, I don't know if I fully agree with Taylor on that one. Where else do some of these minutes come from?
2: I just don't know. Like, Haven't the Thunder seen enough of Darius Baisley at this point to...
4: I'm I'm there Silva.
2: Especially because you I I heard you say you you think Muscala plays because he offers a lot of pick and pop potential. I don't know if Baisley really offers that. So maybe that's that's what I wonder. Where some of his minutes come from, um, like you, you said, J Dub could get minutes at that position, playing the same same role with some more offensive uh, juice. So I don't. Darius I don't know.
4: Baisley played in the most games last year at sixty nine. Nice. And if you uh, get rid of some of like the the noise ahead of him, like Jalen horde Melvin Frazier, Kalizakis, Xavier Simpson, he played the fourth most minutes per game at twenty eight. I just don't see mm. either of those things being true next year.
3: Do you do you read into the fact that he's extension eligible, and we didn't hear shit about it?
5: Or no, is that that's
3: point. That kind of flew under the radar. I.
4: I'm on record. Like, I think Darius Baisley is a fine dude. Well, there's some things Darius and I um, fundamentally disagree on. How about that? <laughs> um, I don't think he's a bad human being. I think he's an all-right basketball player. I think you have one year left of him before you have to pay him. And do I want to pay Darius Baisley even his qualifying offer, which is going to be like $8 million, or do I want to let somebody like J-Dub or Usman or even Poku absorb those minutes? I'm definitely going the latter.
5: See, that's where I, I wonder too. And that's where I was kind of getting at with Muscala. I just, are they going to give those minutes to like a Baisley or a Jang? Like and, and, and essentially play like with just like a Chet at center or a, shoot a Baisley at center. Or a, I don't know. It's just, it's going to be really interesting to see how Mark and the staff handled the front court situation i
4: think if Basley wants minutes this year he better have gotten a hell of a lot yep. better over summer
5: Agreed we're playing completely. we're
3: playing this or that again and this is a question <laughs> we've asked we've asked this question two to three times a year for the last three years it's marvin bagley 37.5 million dollars over three years That's would one you one. rather have him at that figure or darius Basley
4: at that same figure
3: Ooh, i think bagley
4: Oh, but that Bagley.
3: Yeah. Okay. And we've it's had, not a close question. I think we've changed our tune in the
5: last 365 <laughs> days, boys. Mm-hmm. Bagley looked better with a getting out of the uh, wasteland out of Sacramento. Yeah.
1: Something. About I think Bays. I think Bays gets one more shot.
5: I agree. I don't think it's.
1: I don't think it's a full season if it. You know, if he doesn't pan out. Um, I think it's a prime candidate to to not be on this team if he doesn't perform but i think we're moving into the season with him being a sink or swim moment for Baze. my my last thought on him
5: they all fall in that same category said this
1: is a little different but yes yeah very different right very different
3: i've said this for two years basely when the thunder are good again if he's still in the thunder will be a bench player let's stop trying to make him a starter Bring him off the bench next year, see how he does.
4: Justin, I'm with you, and this is his last shot. But I don't think that shot is given to him. I think he's going to have to earn that spot in training camp.
1: I agree with that. Um, but I would be shocked.
4: Ex- I would be floored if he is starting opening night.
3: I don't think I'd be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I, don't
4: think I he would, he be, would be. Either. I would be disappointed. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's, 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 that's right. That's I, a better.
1: That's a better word. I expect him to. Earn the spot, and I expect him to get a similar, not identical, but similar-ish role and amount of minutes to start the year. What happens with it from there is up to Baisley.
3: If he's starting opening night, I expect a humongous jump, and we better see it quick.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't. I think the the
4: fit with him and Chet in the front court just doesn't make a lot of sense. I'd rather have a, a bigger, broader. Can get down low and, and push around with guys like Jokic and JRE. Yep. yep. Then have Darius Baisley, who I think I think a lot of people talk about Baisley playing the five because he's not good on the wing. It's not that he's good at playing back at five, it's I, you're that right. he can't play on the wing. And you're so right. that's, the, that's the easiest place to fit him at. Yeah. Any other places where you guys see those other minutes opening up? We talked Baisley. We talked Muscala, Jerome, Maladone. Um, Kenny I, mean, I think I think candidates that are going to go up in minutes are guys like Trey Mann, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl. I said it a little bit earlier.
5: I think Aaron Wiggins
4: could Agreed. be a regular spot in this rotation from Agreed. opening night. I I was very impressed by him in summer league.
5: Remember when you asked us, Jacob, what one thing we were looking for each player heading into summer league? And I told you all, like, with Aaron Wiggins, it's not any specific skill. I just wanted to see if he could kind of float to the top. uh, And and we saw that from him in every aspect of his game.
4: He reminds me a lot of Ken Rich Williams.
2: That's a fun one.
4: Just a bit of a jack-of-all-trades type of guy.
5: He got 24
4: minutes a
2: game last season. You think he gets more than that? Ooh, that's tough. No, You said 21 minutes a game? 24. 24. He played 50 50 games, started 35 of them, and averaged 24.2. No, I think per. that
4: number is a little inflated because of the end of the year.
2: Yep. Yep.
4: I could see him getting like 18, 18 a game, but playing more.
1: Awesome. I'm not, a, I'm not as sold on wigs. Still okay. Like wigs. I think, geez, um, let it out. It, it's summer league. It's summer league. It, it it's is. summer league and it's fine. And he looked good. He did what he needed to do. I'm just. I put him more in the Isaiah Roby bucket than I do in the whatever other bucket you have. That's fair. <laughs> to to, to me, me, I think he can he can perform. He does well. He gets buckets when he needs to be the one that gets buckets and like does some stuff that's valuable. But I think that on a competitive basketball team, he is a fringe, fringe player. That's fair. I I think to me, him playing at summer league
4: almost takes him off the chopping block for the roster cut.
5: I agree with that. I think he
4: deserves a spot.
5: I I just think like when you hit just to Justin's point, because I am a Wiggins believer, but to Justin's point, you have Wiggins, you have Jang, or sorry, you have Jang and you have Dub now who are going to fill very similar roles for this team. I think just goes back to like one of my overall thoughts i've been thinking a lot about with this quote-unquote roster crunch and that like yes we're gonna have to move on from guys like wiggins like roby like maybe even darius Baisley. And you know what they all might look great at their other respective uh situations with their other teams but you're more invested in some of these other guys like a j-dub over a aaron wiggins or a jang over in the poku right and in the long term you're taking those gambles hoping that they're they're going to pay off and pay bigger dividends down the road when this team is truly contending again for a championship. So I think that's kind of where I come back to the Wiggins thing. It's like I believe in him, but he might be a casualty for this for this current iteration of this team.
4: That's fair. That's fair. Any other talk about where guys get minutes from? Are you guys ready to move on? All right. Silva, let's roll. The t-shirt commercial, let's tell people who's paying our bills this month. Now let's get to some around the association. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit CottonBureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddey's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Liu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design and the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to CottonBureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get
0: your new Thunder gear today.
5: I don't even know where you
2: sitting at. <laughs>
3: it's
4: been a while since we've had the around uh, the association sounder. It's a good one. <laughs> All right, guys, they're, there's a lot of stuff going on around the league right now. I have some questions for you. Uh, there's four different topics. There are four of you, so each of you. Uh, there might be five topics. I'll jump in. Screw it. Counting's um, hard. You are going. I'm going to ask you some questions because you're going to be the expert on this topic, uh, telling the rest of us what we need to know. Taylor, you're first up. You're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell. First question, does he get traded before the start of the season?
5: I've been going back and forth on this over the past four days or whatever, thinking about it. I think he does because I don't think – apparently the Jazz and the Knicks got very close to a deal uh, according to very valid reporting from – or sorry, reporting from very uh, reputable and credible sources such as Zach Lowe and – trying to remember who else somebody from the athletic i think apparently the reason those reports came out was oh sorry jacob you, i was gonna uh, say
4: this the slc tribune as well had a yes lot of that's details. a yes that's
5: right andy larson i believe mm-hmm. uh good point that just makes me think that there's a deal to be had i obviously it's smart for the jazz to hold out see if there's other offers that come about try and get the most from the knicks but it seems like there at least is a deal to be had there between the jazz and the knicks I think they'll, and especially knowing Danny Ainge, I think they'll get to the point. Maybe it's not until closer training camp, but they won't really get a better offer than that unless he can somehow rope in the third team. And because of that, I think he'll end up with the Knicks and we'll see a pretty, another go bear like haul for, for Mitchell.
4: Okay. So then the other question on Mitchell not where will he end up? what would be the most fun situation for him to land in? Ooh, that's tough. You you said Knicks for where you think he lands, but yep. what team could he land on that you would be like, oh gosh, that's really good, and that's going to be a lot of fun.
5: I mean, just, just because of the D-Wade, Mitchell comps that are all over the place, seeing him in a Heat jersey would be awesome, and just his personality, the, the, his style of play, fits that quote-unquote overused Heat culture. But I also think of teams like the Toronto Raptors and the, you know, some some teams that haven't been linked necessarily to KD, but teams that have been like thrown out there as have the assets to trade for that Cowboy player being the Raptors and the Pelicans. It would be really fun to see him end up with a team like that. I just find that very unlikely. So, probably to answer that question, I'd I'd have to go with the Heat, but like if I'm, but that's also like the obvious answer.
4: (laughs) If he ends up with the Heat, they have to unprotect an OKC pick. Yeah, they do.
3: Rub hands like Birdman. He, he's a Nick. My most fun situation: him and Hallie in a backcourt in Indiana.
5: Oh, that's mm. fun. Also, be kind of cool to see him with with Luca. Although I'm not sure how well that it would work. But good grief, what would they trade? Oh, that, that's the yeah. thing. It can't. It literally <laughs> can't happen.
4: Nick, since you spoke up, you got the next one. You're a Kevin Durant expert. Is he with mm. the Nets at the start of the season? Yes. Okay, that was easy. Cosine. Uh, <laughs> Has the Gobert trade inflated the trade market so much that trading for KD is nearly impossible?
3: The Gobert trade has 100% inflated the market. Like there's been multiple reports that teams are inferior, mad at, about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that inflated KD's market. The bar could be so low this offseason and guys are just going for a quick first rounder or two. KD's still worth the house. I don't think unless LeBron James got traded nothing is raising the bar for KD like his trade value is his trade value regardless of the market
4: is it's been reported that you know the the first report was that Phoenix and Miami were his preferred destinations but it's come out since that it's Phoenix like that's that's the team that's circled and no other ones are with the things that have happened in Phoenix over the past few days which we'll get into that one here in a second is Phoenix still a realistic option?
3: If you do a three or four team deal, yeah. I think uh, the most obvious situation is going back to Donovan Mitchell. If somehow Brooklyn can get a hold of him and start a little duo with him and Ben Simmons, that would be a lot of fun. Um, and then obviously the, the Nets are not interested in like a ton of pick; They want a player. So if you could take Donovan Mitchell there, um, some of for, the young guys from Phoenix end up in Utah for the rebuild. Those guys that the Nets are like eh, on, and then Katie ends up in in Phoenix. There's there's pathways. Mm-hmm. The the Aiton deal is like kind of closed some of those off. Um, you anyway, know, I th- I think it's it's doable, but it's harder now.
4: Um, for what it's worth, I don't think Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons can be on the same team because they are both on those designated rookie extensions and you can't trade for two of those guys.
5: Mm. Or two two of those guys that yeah right. Yeah you can't can't trade trade, you can't trade
4: for two of them. They already trade if you draft like the same bam out
3: of bias situation, huh? Exactly. There's a lot of players that are like that.
4: Justin you are I'm gonna give you the fun one you are the expert on Russell Westbrook and Thad Foucher.
1: Ooh Ooh. (laughs) what was the
4: what's the divide that led to the split between those two. I mean, Thad very clearly talked to Woj. What's, what led to Russ and Thad splitting ways after 14 years?
1: I mean, he laid it all out in in his quotes, his release, whatever you want to call it, his venting to Woj, which is a heck of a strategy. Um, He has very strong opinions on what Russ should do at this stage in his career. And if we know anything about Russ that russ has his own strong opinions about himself and it's it's obvious that you know after 14 years those don't align and Foucher didn't want to be in that situation he didn't want to be a part of it he didn't want to you know whatever russ was asking for which it sounds like was a new team uh voucher didn't want to do it and didn't think he should do it i i have an issue with the way Foucher went about it. Like the dude's very well respected. I don't think he needed to do that. And I think it was a a bit of an undo. Like, I think he's going to regret that in a few years, looking back, like a guy that you've had a relationship with for 14 years. Like he said it in his release, like Westbrook's a first ballot hall of famer. Like he just went scorched earth on that relationship over I mean, it sounds like irreconcilable differences, but still like that's a big deal. And it makes me wonder, like if I was a current client of his or a prospective client that was trying to pick an agent, I got to think that leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth of like, okay, cool. So like if one day when we don't agree, he's just going to burn me to the ground and say, see you later. Regardless of who you think is right in that situation, I think there's a level of like respect there that i don't know that was paid and i feel like i agree with Foucher. i think rush should stay i think rush should embrace the role that he's given i don't think a fourth trade in four years looks good for russ's legacy a team is gonna have to give up an asset to get rid of russ at this point like all of those things are very true but i feel for russ on this one like i i think that is a crappy situation and it sucks for him as like a human being that that relationship fell apart in the in the fashion that it did
4: i was going to ask a question about should current voucher clients reconsider i think you already touched on that so the last one i have for you then is this the catalyst that gets rust to finally change
1: no there's not I'm, a catalyst i, I think, think that's saying. become pretty clear now that said like i i can see it both ways like his season last season was horrendous but he's also one year removed from a pretty good season in washington and i think we're all not blind to the fact that like the lakers roster was not built for russ if he can get on a team that's more conducive to being set up for russ and his play style he could have another wizards like year He could have a couple like I don't think he's washed yet. Is he who he was? No. Will he ever be again? No, but like I don't think it's I don't think it was as bad as it seemed last year with the Lakers. I think there's a lot of other reasons that have to do with the Lakers as to why it looks so bad. The
3: thing that gets me is I forget how long ago it was. We've said this hundred like the COVID times are all blended together, but there was a report sometime recently where russ said as he was being shopped he wanted to be on a team where he could be like the primary option that just keeps coming back to me like guy
5: that ain't it anymore yeah that's and see i that's where i kind of and i know we're going long so i won't dive completely into it i kind of disagree with you there justin i think this is more russ and and i understand like Maybe Foucher could have been – there's probably a little more professional, professionalism that could have been had uh, in regards to his quotes to Woj, but I thought it was very telling. I don't think Foucher does that unless he has the – I mean, I think he not only felt he had a close partnership, but probably a close friendship with Russ. And yeah. the way he responded makes me think it was Russ saying, no, screw you. I want to go to another team to Nick's I point. I, want to I don't a disagree point. with that at all. Yeah. I think
1: that's probably – like knowing I Russ, that's probably exactly what happened. I tweeted he this probably out, but
5: blew like – right. like, I, and I don't, don't be really a blame Foucher in that regard. <laughs> like, look, I yeah, if I could move the right way. I have Russ back there. My dog's name's Brody. My nickname in college was Brody. Like, obviously, I'm a huge Russell Westbrook fan. But I also realized that his biggest strength, that defiance, that stubbornness, that literally totally. was like his biggest strength, that attitude was his biggest strength early on in his career. It's also like kind of being the detriment 100%. for the end of his career. Right. Like, yep. We agree on it. I just. uh
1: Yep. I just think that that's a tough look. To go For run to Woj, Woj and like... I just wonder if Wasserman's too
5: big at this point, yeah. though, right? Like, they're kind of like Wasserman here, clutch here. CAA in the yeah. middle. I wonder.
4: It's interesting. Russ also uh, catching some strays from Jeremy Sohan today.
5: Dude. <laughs> uh, Bricks.
4: Poor guy. <laughs> Silva, you are our DeAndre Aiton expert. That was was a sign and trade with Indiana ever on the table?
2: I think briefly, uh, but I think that... Phoenix was probably more focused on trying to figure out how to get Kevin Durant there. And, and during those negotiations, Indiana offered him once, once their salary got freed up from the uh, Malcolm Brogdon deal.
4: Interesting. Um, a lot of talk about Ayton and this disconnect with Monty Williams uh, with the Phoenix organization. Um, can they bury the hatchet? He's coming back regardless for six months. Uh, he's got veto power on any trade until the end of his first year on this new deal. Can they bury it? Move forward with this team that we all thought was going to win a title and make another push?
2: I think in the short term they can. Uh, I think it's going to have to be something along the lines of Chris Paul talking to him one on one and being like, "Hey, I will. I'm going to now that I'm almost 38. Like I'm going to slip back and be maybe the third option on this team, and you're going to be able to do more." with the ball in your hands. Cause I think that's what he wants. He wants a larger role offensively instead of just getting running pick and roll with Chris Paul and Devin Booker over and over and over again. So I think that would be the only way to do it, but I think it's a more of a short term solution.
4: Okay. So does he end this four year deal in a Phoenix uniform? No, you got to assume that after those four years, Chris Paul's gone.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think he does at all. And I think, uh, I would not be shocked if he was traded by the deadline, like it, or whenever he's eligible to be traded. Is it January? January
4: fifteenth, but he has he can veto any trade, so it has to be something yeah. to his liking.
2: Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like two. Are there any weird rules with since Indiana gave him an offer sheet? Like, can he not be traded there?
4: Correct, he cannot go to Indiana for a full for, year.
2: for a year. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was traded by the deadline. I think uh, it's just weird vibes in Phoenix. Things are just kind of stinky down there right now. After that, yeah, this Aiton draft. The draft stuff was really uh-huh. weird and felt unorganized to me. Uh, Aiton stuff is weird. Uh, I think that this is good financially for Phoenix, but they this is like the worst possible way they could have gotten to this number because this was this was lower than the five, this is lower than the four year max they could have offered him.
3: So it was like the yeah, really pinching uh, pennies in Arizona. What, what concerns me is that not a lot of teams will pay a center a max deal. It's a whole other ball game to trade assets for a guy that's on a max deal. Like I, mm-hmm. there's very few teams. On top of the fact that Aiden gets to choose, that I could see giving up assets for a max contract center. Like that, that's tough.
4: I mean, Cleveland just a year and a half, two years ago, weaseled their way in and got Jared Allen, who was an all-star, for basically nothing.
3: Clint Capella was for basically nothing. And mm-hmm. I know he's like a guy that Atlanta's still shopping, but like, you can get a quality center without giving up. Huge assets, but like when they're on a max deal,
4: yeah. Are you just the salary matching alone is a challenge? Yep. All right. I have the last one. I saved the best for me, guys. Kyrie Irving. Here are the questions I have for Kyrie. I'm going to ask myself some questions and answer them. You ready? Ready. First question Will Kyrie be on the Lakers next season? Who the hell knows? He couldn't even show up for Drew League. With everything that's happened, can the Nets afford to let him come back? No, he's crazy. He's probably not even going to play games. Can he spill make a difference for a team? Will he play for the team? Doubt it. Maybe 20 games. So, no. <laughs> All right, that's my career. If he
2: goes back to the Nets, it'll be like the worst possible version of the last dance, like without
1: any of the success. <laughs>
5: that's a great point
1: they got 30 think, for 30 on him. i was thinking of the harden houston exit like it's gonna be something like that where it's oh two- yeah he's gonna be yeah harden was in the
4: strip club whenever he was supposed to be at practice right. Kyrie is gonna be like at the the flat earth conference
1: doing goat uh, yoga with kanye west
4: while burning sage yes. and doing some weird shit i don't know <laughs> He, well, he'll probably say he's going to show up to that and then not show up because that's kind of his MO. So it's hard to get behind that guy. He's a weirdo. Strange <laughs> agree. man. Agreed. Strange man that's making a, a lot of money.
3: MF and baller. Hey, what Nick he was,
4: Nick sat five feet away from him. So uh, <laughs> I'm afraid that aura rubbed off on Nick a little bit. Jeez.
3: I saw Jeez. Nick levitate God. in the hotel room.
2: <laughs> <Good>.
3: <laughs> you saw Nick what? You've been, watching, you've been watching too much Stranger Things, man.
5: I've been watching so much Stranger Things. Man.
4: I saw Silva in his coffin in the saw, hotel room. So
5: <laughs> He also saw people ziplining out the window. Silva so was like a, a
3: character, like ranch on his face, watching zipliners. We <laughs> like, were walking through the going? hotel.
4: Doris Burke walks right by us. Whenever she gets past, I turn around and look at Nick and Silva like, yo, that was Doris. And Nick was just kind of like smirked me. He's like, yeah. And Silva, face full of pizza and ranch, goes,
2: oh.
3: <laughs> and no then later we're on, eyes. days later, Simply she walks
2: by me eating pizza. So.
3: Yes. Well, the in. whole story came it's full circle. Be. We were leaving the hotel. Yep. And Doris Burke was was face full of pizza walking by Silva. Gave him a nod. Bella pizza lover. It's meant to be. She said... That's
4: hey, a we, didn't mention, we didn't mention that we saw Chris Birdman Anderson at our hotel.
1: Dude. Jacked. He married Is the lead.
4: Jacked. This man... I don't know if he's juicing, but it looks like he's juicing. Let's get
3: Chet on his workout plan. Oh, my God. He's got the whole bald top no of his kidding.
1: head tattooed. We're We're probably like... Six months away from like a Birdman versus Mike Bibby celebrity boxing match or something. Dude,
4: Mike Bibby is juicing. That dude (laughs) walks around like this. Insane. All right, Silva, we're going too long. Pump that outro music. Hey, the live chat popping as always. Thank you guys so much. If you listen to the podcast version of this, hey, we appreciate you. Go drop that five star wherever you download the podcast from. If you do so, take a screenshot, DM it to us. I have a whole bunch of letters here I got to mail out with stickers. So we'll get you some stickers if you send us your five-star rating. Go order your Thunder Swag at CottonBureau.com. The Waving Arm Inflatable Man Chet shirts are flying off the shelves.
3: They were at Summer League.
4: (laughs) Yes, it was at Summer League. Go get you one. They are dope. My personal favorite is the Twin Towers one. But, you know, to each their own. We'll be back with you guys again Monday, tomorrow, with a Twitter Spaces. So come chill, hang out, have a good time. And then we're back on the pod again Wednesday, live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So catch us there. Until then, thank you guys so much for checking us out. We will talk to you soon. And Thunder Up!